you know your company really does offer better quality, better service, and or better value than your competitors. And you're very proud of this, and you should be. But why don't your customers or potential customers believe you when you tell them? More importantly, how can you fix this? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. We live in an interesting time when it comes to sales and marketing. People, including our customers, have extremely short attention spans. You have something like 150 characters or so to get a compelling message out, which of course is very difficult to say the least. And for most of us, our target audience starts out with two basic desires. One, I want to put put out the least amount of effort. Uh, which includes apparently reading more than 150 characters. And two, I want to spend the least amount of money. That seems to be kind of the starting place for for most folks when it comes to, you know, things like repairing their house or getting a new air conditioning unit or getting their taxes done or whatever. That seems to be kind of the default mode. And for most of us, our audience has developed an indifference to certain words and phrases. For the mo- for most of us, those pertinent pertinent words and phrases that our potential customers have near immunity to are customer service or customer experience, quality or workmanship, and value. So basically, customer service, quality, and value. Those are the three words or phrases that our potential customers have near immunity to, in my opinion. And the reason for this makes perfect sense. There's actually a couple of them. Nearly every industry that I know of uses some form of these words in attempts to convince the population that their product is superior to the competition. Nearly every ad from a service provider says some version of, we offer the best quality, the best service, and the best value. It's all the same message, pretty much. Now, there might be some different adjectives and different adverbs, and there might be a different word for quality. It might say workmanship, for example. It might say customer experience instead of customer service. Other than a few variations, a couple flares, it's the same message. It's all the same message for the most part. So people have tuned it out. You've probably heard the saying, when everything is an emergency, nothing is really an emergency. Well, it's the same here. When everyone says they had the best quality, the best service, the best value, to the consumer, that means they all have the same quality, the same service, and the same value. If everybody's saying the same thing, they're all the same. So imagine you were going to go buy something like, I don't know, lawn furniture. You go to a store and you find three different manufacturers you've never heard of. You don't know anyone who's ever bought these products and you don't have internet access to check the online reviews. All three say they have industry-leading quality, superior customer service, and unbeatable value. Which one do you pick? Tough call, huh? Some of you are probably saying, well, I guess I'd get the cheapest one in that case. And I could make a pretty good argument for that, I suppose. Some might say you'd prioritize where it was made. 
it doesn't matter. No matter what your criteria, it's important to notice that your buying decision is not likely to be made upon the criteria the manufacturer wanted to see you use when they said things like, you know, quality, service, and value. Because they were all saying the same thing. So you you just mitigated all three of those. They all become the same. So when they all say the same thing, they're all the same when we start out. The next thing I'd like you to consider is this. What percentage of the population do you think has had a terrible, and I mean really crappy, really bad experience with a company who claimed to have some version of industry-leading quality, superior customer service, and or unbeatable value? I'd put that percentage at a pretty high number. In fact, I'd go so far as to say, I probably don't know anyone over the age of 35 who hasn't had a really bad experience with a company who touted themselves as being the best in the industry. Regardless of what the percentage it is, it's fair to say that those who have been burned by companies claiming great value, great quality, great service, no longer have the same level of trust in those words, especially from a company they don't already know. So given that they hear the same message from nearly every service provider out there, and it's been proven to many of them, these phrases don't really have any real meaning because people can just lie. They could be a terrible company and still say they're really good, and nobody would know until until it's too late. Is it likely that using those words and phrases will compel them to buy from us? And I would argue, no, it's not. They're, they're just, it doesn't mean the same thing as it did in 1957. Further, if this is the language we're teaching our revenue-producing employees to use when they're face-to-face with the customer, do we really expect better results with the same generic words and phrases then? So I would recommend this. Every time a customer says, the price is too high, translate that to mean, The reasons you've given me so far are not compelling enough for me to spend this amount of money. When people have no choice but to buy, and the only variable is who they're going to buy from, so they don't have a choice. The AC unit's broke, the water heater's out, the taxes have to be done, uh, the wine got spilled in the carpet, I have to get this fixed, the only variable is who am I going to buy from. They're generally going to make their buying decision based upon price and convenience 100% of the time unless they're given a compelling reason to do otherwise. When people do have a choice of whether or not to buy, they will wait until the discomfort of going without the purchase is greater than the discomfort of making the purchase, i.e. giving you their hard-earned money. So that's a variation of the saying, change only happens when the discomfort of staying the same is outweighed by the discomfort of changing. And I can't remember who said that. It might have been Mary Kay Ash. It might have been Tony Robbins. It might have been both. I don't know. Um, I think that's a pretty important, I think that particular saying that change happens when the discomfort of staying the same is outweighed by the discomfort of changing, applies to virtually everything we do when it comes to to, uh, trying to communicate better with customers and trying to communicate better with employees. Uh, If we just like put that in our office wall, I think that would be very helpful. So anyhow, uh, don't want to get on tangent there, but but people, if they have a choice, are going to wait until they don't have to, until they can't wait anymore. And when they can't wait anymore, that's going to be determined by the discomfort of not having this thing is worse than the discomfort of paying for it, period. Now, inevitably, when I say this, somebody tells me, Brian, you just don't understand my industry. Ours is different. You don't get it, Brian. Our customers do care about quality over anything else. And I say, people trust that you have sufficient technical skills until you prove otherwise. No sane person would ask you to fix something in their home or on their car or prepare their taxes if they didn't believe you knew how to do it. They grant you that because you have a company that says you do it, that's credibility there. You have a, 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 a license number of some sort that says, you know, that supposedly the state has vetted you in some way. 
or whatever. Uh, you have a bond, you have insurance, like you have these things that they give credibility. They grant that you know what you're doing unless you give them a reason, a, re- a reason to rescind that. So here's one of my favorite ways to dispel this belief that people care about, uh, that people really only care about quality. Like our industry is different. People in our industry really do only care about uh, quality. And the last time I did this, there was about 100 people in the audience and we were in the Pacific Northwest where the majority of the time the water heater is in the garage. And I asked, how many of you have a water heater, water heater in the garage where it is easily accessible? And all the hands went up except for maybe five or 10 people. So 90, 95 hands went up out of 100. And then I asked, how many of you who have your hands up right now in the last five years have walked up to that water heater to inspect or admire the workmanship of the person who installed it? Now, can you guess how many hands stayed up? Right, zero. People are generally not going to inspect the heat pump, the exhaust system, the tax forms, whatever it is, after we're finished. Are there exceptions? Yep. People will absolutely admire a brand new kitchen for quite a while. I myself last night, I was out in the backyard smoking a cigar, and I'm extremely happy with the money we spent last year in our backyard with landscaping. We had the whole thing like dug up and redone. It looks a million times better than when we first bought the house. I love it. I'm super happy about that. Even last night, a year later, I was really happy about that. But most of us are not in industries where we're doing things that are especially aesthetic, like a new kitchen or a new backyard. Most of us are fixing things that people expect to work or already expect to look nice. So if you take a a car that's in a car accident and you fix it up really, really well, it's it's a net zero gain. They already had a really nice looking car. If you replace a water heater, now they have hot water. They don't, they don't care for more than, I don't know, a day, <laughs> two days, maybe, depending on how long they were, they were without it. These are not things people value. You know when people think, uh, think about their or appreciate their internet service? When it stops working, period. As soon as it's back on again, 10 minutes later, they don't care anymore. They might care about their experience with the company. They do not care about the fact that the internet's on or off, except for when it's not working and it's inconvenience for them. Back to the whole, it's all about me thing, right? So my point with all this is we must have a a message that is deeper, more meaningful, and more compelling than some version of we offer industry-leading quality, superior customer service, and unbeatable value. We have to have something that's deeper and more meaningful and more compelling than those three things. So based on that, my question to you is this, and this is a question I asked to, to, you know, a lot of clients when I first started working with them Without using words or phrases, and and let me back up. This is not a gotcha thing. This is because we have to go through a process of fixing this almost all the time. This is one of the most important things that helps set the foundation for everything we do from here on on forward. So that's why it's one of the things that we do with every client because it's really important and something that's not really done a lot. Uh, So my question is this. Without using words or phrases that are synonymous with customer service, quality, and value, What specific reason do your customers or potential customers have to buy from your company instead of Brand X? And if that's a really hard question to answer, don't worry. We're going to go through the process of developing those ideas. And don't worry because you're not alone. This is anything but a rare uh, problem. Almost all businesses, especially in service industries, face this problem where they've been trained to just rely on these three key phrases that nobody pays attention to anymore. And then they wonder why the phone doesn't ring. They wonder why it's not why their customers are still shopping based on price or whatever. So we'll get to developing those ideas. First, I want to take a moment to tell you about a free webinar I have uh, coming for you, uh, coming on March 29th at noon. 
I want to tell you about a client of mine who even prior to COVID uh, had been struggling with hiring people for her carpet cleaning business for at least two years before COVID. So when we changed how she wrote and posted her ad, she hired twice as many people as she was hoping to. So she hired like six people instead of three. She was hoping to hire three and she hired six in six weeks and she had to turn the ad off after six weeks because she couldn't have, she didn't have room to hire any more people. She couldn't train any more people until she got that group of people trained. So are you trying to hire and just not getting the results you want? Have you almost or completely given up on the idea that you can actually recruit talent, the, the talent you need to grow your team, especially in this market? There are a few things more frustrating than having all this work that you can't get to and not being able to hire and train more people to make the most out of it. What if I told you the reason 95% of the ads out there are not working because just like stuff we're talking about today, those ads work against human nature, not with it. Once I show you and explain to you and you see for yourself what I'm talking about, you'll never look at hiring ads again. I promise you'll never look at them the same way again. I promise. I, and I also promise this is going to change everything about how you go about hiring and hiring and writing your hiring ads and all that stuff. It's going to completely change how you look at this and completely change how you do it. And it's likely to work many, many times better than what you're doing now. So if you would like to learn how to write ads that will really stand out above the noise and actually get people to call you, go to freehiringwebinar.com and get signed up for this class. It's happening on March 29th at noon Pacific. During this class, you'll also get a chance to learn about an opportunity to join my new service industry select coaching program. And as a bonus for attending, you'll get my free autofill ad creator, which will virtually write your job post for you completely once you answer a few questions. I'm really excited about this thing. Again, if nothing else, come for this tool. It's a fantastic thing. I was playing with it last night. It's awesome. So if you're ready to finally get those people you need hired, mark your calendar for March 29th at noon Pacific and go to freehiringwebinar.com to sign up. Okay, so we need to have a message compelling enough to prompt action. As I've mentioned before, if you tried to craft a marketing message that resonated equally with my wife and I, I've talked about this a few times, well, good luck with that. We just have different priorities. You could not possibly address both of our priorities equally in one short message, especially a message that was you know 150 characters or whatever it is. Uh, I, I talked about this before. When when somebody comes to um, fix something, if I'm home and she's not, her question when she gets home is always the same. It doesn't matter if they're here to fix. We had somebody here to fix a refrigerator a couple weeks ago. The question she asks is always the same. Were they nice? <laughs> now, I can promise you when she's home alone and I come in after somebody else has been here, my question is not, were they nice? My question was, did they fix it? So you could not possibly have a marketing message that would talk to both of us and resonate with both of us in the same way to get us to act. You just, you couldn't do it. It's not possible. Uh, um, we just have different priorities in how we make decisions and how we assess things. So the first thing we need to do is figure out who are we speaking to? Um, so who do you want to serve? And this is hard for some folks because, you know, people will say things like, I want to serve everyone who has a broken flux capacitor that needs to fix in this geographic area. Well, that may be true, but it would cost a real fortune to create several different marketing campaigns to really reach each person who has a broken flux capacitor and speak to them in a way that will resonate with them individually and compel them to act. It would be really expensive to do that. So it doesn't have to be super hard. It, it, now, this is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Just think about the clients you really like working with and who are happy with what you do and ask yourself, why do they like what we offer? 
And how do I speak directly to that person? There's an old saying in marketing, if you aren't speaking to somebody, you aren't speaking to anybody. So does that mean that people outside your target audience will not appreciate or grasp your talking points? Of course not. Of course, they'll, they'll, it'll resonate with some other folks besides just who you have in mind. It may not be 100%. It might only be 80%, but that 80% is really going to resonate. Does that mean you would turn people away if you, if you focus on a, a group of people you're talking to? Does that mean you turn people away who aren't in your target audience and you wouldn't service them if they called? Of course not. Of course, you're going you're to take the phone call when they call in. The point is, when it comes to marketing, if you aren't speaking to somebody, you aren't speaking to anybody. What that means is if you don't have a person in mind when you're speaking, you're going to talk in very generic terms, and you're not going to say things that have any real meaning, like customer service, value, quality. Those things are just generic, nebulous, blech. They just have no meaning. So when you're trying to talk to a really wide audience, that's what you're left with because you're trying to say, the most specific thing you can to apply to the most amount of people. Well, marketing doesn't work that way. You have to be specific in who you're talking to. Every TV ad you see on TV, they are targeting somebody in a certain uh, a certain kind of person. You may or may not be in that group. Depends, you know. And sometimes you're going to listen to a commercial and you're like, I don't, I don't care the Subarus are made with love. Other people can say, I can't wait to buy five Subarus. <laughs> it depends on, you know, um, the, the point is that the message is intended for somebody, therefore they can develop specific speaking points. So if you really want to take this seriously and get the most benefit, do not allow yourself to use income as one of your defining characteristics for who your ideal client is. So we're talking about like figuring out who, who do you want to serve? Who do you like working with? Well, for most people, they say, well, people, lots of money. That's fine. Again, it may, in fact, you may want to work with people who have high incomes, but that's also going to be the same thing all of your competition says. So if you focus on people with high incomes, you're not going to stand out above the crowd because you're going to say the same exact things as all your competition, just like you are when you say quality, service, and, and uh, value. More importantly, though, we need to ask for the potential clients we want to reach in our marketing and our clients we want to speak to in our sales process, what are their specific problems as it relates to the service we offer? What do they care about when they're making decisions about what we offer? Yes, they care about quality. Yes, they care about service. Yes, they care about value. Why? What specifically is about those things? Value means lots of things to lots of different people. If you ask 100 people to, to define value and they didn't have access to a dictionary, you'd probably get 20 or 30 different answers at least. What does this person really care about value? What do they care about service? What are their concerns? What are their hopes? What are their wishes as it relates to the service we provide? So those are the kind of things we want to figure out. And speaking to those specific problems is how we create a compelling message that will get them to act rather than using broad, generic, overused terms like service, quality, and value. So, um, again, people do appreciate those things. There's no question. But they're not compelling. They're not, they're not meaningful the way they were maybe at one time. Maybe they never were. I don't know. Um, but if you can speak about what specifically is about quality, service, and value that really matters to them, well, you're going to have their attention, and you're going to gain a customer because you will get them. They will feel like you get them. They will feel like you understand them. And that, my friends... It's how you build trust. So first thing we have to do is train ourselves to stop using these generic terms and phrases and words like customer service, customer experience, quality, workmanship, value. If we just remove those from our vocabulary and just not allow ourselves or our employees or our team or anybody to use those words ever, ever, we would be so much better off because it will force us to speak in specific. It will force us to speak in more compelling language. 
so I would just recommend stop using these in your marketing, stop using your sales scripts and your processes, and especially in your training. So uh, just to kind of summarize, we need a deeper, more meaningful talking point if we want our t- uh, customers or potential customers to tune in, to pay attention, and to act. Uh, we, to develop those talking points or pain, uh, to develop those talking points, um, we got to talk about pains we're going to specifically address. We first must identify who we're talking to in our messaging. To do that, we have to identify who our ideal, ideal client is. Once we know who our ideal client is, we'll be able to focus on their particular pain points, their concerns, their hopes, and their deal breakers, their wishes, all of those kinds of things. And those are going to be the talking points that we're going to use. They're going to replace words and phrases like quality, service, and value. So uh, real quick before I go, don't forget, uh, go to freehiringwebinar.com to sign up for my free webinar on March 29th at noon Pacific about creating hiring ads that will really stand out above the noise and get you the results you want. I'm telling you, uh, you'll this will change how you do hiring once you go through this webinar. I promise you that. So uh, if, you have a, if you're having a hard time hiring, uh, please come to that. Or if you know somebody who is, send them to, to freehiringwebinar.com. Anybody's welcome to this one. It's free. And uh, that's it for this week. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you all next week.